Chapter 53 of A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 6. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 6, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 53. Louis XV, France in the Colonies, 1745-1763. to Part 2. Read by Kate Barrett. France seemed to comprehend what her ministers had not even an idea of. Dupleix's arrival in France was a veritable triumph. It was by this time known that the reverses which had caused so much talk had been half repaired. It was by this time guessed how infinite were the resources of that empire of India so lightly and mean-spiritedly abandoned to the English. Quote, My wife and I dare not appear in the streets of Lorient, wrote Dupleix, because of the crowd of people wanting to see us and bless us. The controller-general, Hérault de Seychelles, as well as the king and Madame de Pompadour, then and for a long while the reigning favourite, gave so favourable a reception to the hero of India that Dupleix, always an optimist, conceived fresh hopes. Quote, I shall regain my property here, he would say, and India will recover in the hands of Bussy. He was mistaken about the justice as he had been about the discernment and the boldness of the French government. Not a promise was accomplished, not a hope was realized. After delay upon delay, excuse upon excuse, Dupleix saw his wife expire at the end of two years, worn out with suffering and driven to despair. Like her, his daughter, affianced for a long time past to Bussy, succumbed beneath the weight of sorrow. In vain did Dupleix tire out the ministers with his views and his projects for India. He saw even the action he was about to bring against the company vetoed by order of the king. Persecuted by his creditors, overwhelmed with regret for the relatives and friends whom he had involved in his enterprises and in his ruin, he exclaimed a few months before his death, quote, I have sacrificed youth, fortune, life in order to load with honour and riches those of my own nation in India. Unhappy friends, two weakly credulous relatives, virtuous citizens, have dedicated their property to promoting the success of my projects. They are now in want. I demand, like the humblest of creditors, that which is my due. My services are all stuff. My demand is ridiculous. I am treated like the vilest of men. The little I have left is seized. I have been obliged to get execution stayed to prevent my being dragged to prison. Dupleix died at last on the eleventh of November, seventeen sixty three, the most striking, without being the last or the most tragical, victim of the great French enterprises in India. Despite the Treaty of Peace, hostilities had never really ceased in India. Clive had returned from England freed henceforth from the influence the intrigues and the indomitable energy of dupleix he had soon made himself master of the whole of bengal he had even driven the french from chandernagar bussy had been unable to check his successes he avenged himself by wresting away from the english all their agencies on the coast of orissa and closing against them the road between the coromandel coast and bengal meanwhile the seven years war had broken out the whole of Europe had joined in the contest. The French navy, still feeble in spite of the efforts that had been made to restore it, underwent serious reverses on every sea. Count Lally-Tolandal, 
descended from an Irish family which took refuge in France with James II, went to Count d'Argenson, still minister of war, with a proposition to go and humble in India that English power which had been imprudently left to grow up without hindrance. M. de Lally had served with renown in the wars of Germany. He had seconded Prince Charles Edward in his brave and yet frivolous attempt upon England. The directors of the India Company went and asked M. d'Argenson to entrust to General Lally the king's troops promised for the expedition. Quote, you are wrong, M. d'Argenson said to them. I know M. de Lally. He is a friend of mine, but he is violent, passionate, inflexible as to discipline. He will not tolerate any disorder. You will be setting fire to your warehouses if you send him thither. The directors, however, insisted and M. de Lally set out on the 2nd of May, 1757, with four ships and a body of troops. Some young officers belonging to the greatest houses of France served on his staff. M. de Lally's passage was a long one. The English reinforcements had preceded him by six weeks. On arriving in India, he found the arsenals and the magazines empty. The establishment of Pondicherry alone confessed to fourteen millions of debt. Meanwhile the enemy was pressing at all points upon the French possessions. Lally marched to Gondolour, or Cataloo, which he carried on the sixth day. He shortly afterwards invested Fort St. David, the most formidable of the English fortresses in India. The first assault was repulsed. The general had neither cannon nor beasts of burden to draw them. He hurried off to Pondicherry and had the natives harnessed to the artillery trains taking pell-mell such men as fell in his way, without regard for rank or caste, imprudently wounding the prejudices most dear to the country he had come to govern. Fort St. David was taken and razed. Devakota, after scarcely the ghost of a siege, opened its gates. Lally had been hardly a month in India, and he had already driven the English from the southern coast of the Coromandel. Quote, all my policy is in these five words, but they are binding as an oath. No English in the peninsula, wrote the general. He had sent Bussy orders to come and join him in order to attack Madras. The brilliant courage and heroic ardor of M. de Lally had triumphed over the first obstacles. His recklessness, his severity, his passionateness were about to lose him the fruits of his victories. Quote, the commission I hold, he wrote to the directors of the company at Paris, imports that I shall be held in horror by all the people of the country. By his personal defaults, he aggravated his already critical position. The supineness of the French government had made fatal progress amongst its servants. Count Dache, who commanded the fleet, had refused to second the attempt upon Madras. Twice, whilst cruising in Indian waters, the French admiral had been beaten by the English he took the course back to the Ile de France, where he reckoned upon wintering. Pondicherry was threatened, and Lally found himself in Tanjore, where he had hoped to recover a considerable sum due to the company. On his road he had attacked a pagoda, thinking he would find there a great deal of treasure, but the idols were hollow and of worthless material. The pagoda was in flames, the disconsolate Brahmins were still wandering round about their temple, the general took them for spies and had them tied to the cannon's mouths. The danger of Pondicherry forced M. de Lally to raise the siege of Tanjore. The English fell back on Madras. Disorder was at its height in the company's affairs. 
the vast enterprises commenced by dupleix required success and conquests but they had been abandoned since his recall not without having engulfed together with his private fortune a portion of the company's resources lally was angered at being every moment shackled for want of money he attributed it not only to the ill-will but also to the dishonesty of the local authorities he wrote in seventeen fifty eight to m de Léry, governor of pondicherry quote, sir this letter shall be an eternal secret between you and me if you furnish me with the means of terminating my enterprise i left you a hundred thousand livres of my own money to help you to meet the expenditure it requires i have not found so much as a hundred sous in your purse and in that of all your counsel you have both of you refused to let me employ your credit i however consider you to be all of you under more obligation to the company than i am who have unfortunately the honour of no further acquaintance with it than to the extent of having lost half my property by it in seventeen twenty if you continue to leave me in want of everything and exposed to the necessity of presenting a front to the general discontent not only shall i inform the king and the company of the fine zeal testified for their service by their employees here but i shall take effectual measures for not being at the mercy during the short stay i desire to make in this country of the party spirit and personal motives by which i see that every member appears to be actuated to the risk of the company in general in the midst of this distress and in spite of this ebullition m de lally led his troops up in front of madras he made himself master of the black town Quote, the immense plunder taken by the troops says the journal of an officer who held a command under count lally had introduced abundance amongst them huge stores of strong liquors led to drunkenness and all the evils it generates the situation must have been seen to be believed the works the guards in the trenches were all performed by drunken men the regiment of lorraine alone was exempt from this plague but the other corps surpassed one another hence scenes of the most shameful kind and most destructive of subordination and discipline the details of which confined within the limits of the most scrupulous truthfulness would appear a monstrous exaggeration lally in despair wrote to his friends in france quote, hell vomited me into this land of iniquities and i am waiting like jonah for the whale that shall receive me in its belly the attack on the white town and on fort st george was repulsed and on the eighteenth of february seventeen fifty nine lally was obliged to raise the siege of madras the discord which reigned in the army as well as amongst the civil functionaries was nowhere more flagrant than between lally and bussy the latter could not console himself for having been forced to leave the deccan in the feeble hands of the marquis of conflans an expedition attempted against the fortress of wandewash of which the english had obtained possession was followed by a serious defeat colonel coote was master of caracal little by little the french army and french power in india found themselves cooped within the immediate territory of pondicherry the english marched against this town lally shut himself up there in the month of march seventeen sixty bussy had been made prisoner and coote had sent him to europe Quote, at the head of the french army bussy would be in a position by himself alone to prolong the war for ten years said the hindus on the twenty seventh of november the siege of pondicherry was transformed into an investment 
Lally had taken all the precautions of a good general, but he had taken them with his usual harshness. He had driven from the city all the useless mouths, fourteen hundred Hindus, old men, women, and children wandered for a week between the English camp and the ramparts of the town, dying of hunger and misery, without Lally's consenting to receive them back into the place. The English at last allowed them to pass. The most severe requisitions had been ordered to be made on all the houses of Pondicherry, and the irritation was extreme. The heroic despair of M. de Lally was continually wringing from him imprudent expressions. Quote, I would rather go and command a set of Caffre than remain in this Sodom, which the English fire, in default of heavens, must sooner or later destroy, quote, had for a long time past been a common expression of the generals, whose fate was henceforth bound up with that of Pondicherry. He held out for six weeks, in spite of famine, want of money, and ever-increasing dissensions. A tempest had caused great havoc to the English squadron which was out at sea, Lally was waiting and waiting for the arrival of M. Dash with the fleet which had but lately sought refuge at Ile-de-France after a fresh reverse. From Paris, on the report of an attack projected by the English against Bourbon and Ile-de-France, ministers had given orders to M. Dash not to quit those waters. Lally and Pondicherry waited in vain. It became necessary to surrender. The council of the company called upon the general to capitulate, Lally claimed the honours of war, but Coote would have the town at discretion. The distress was extreme, as well as the irritation. Pondicherry was delivered up to the conquerors on the 16th of January, 1761. The fortifications and magazines were raised. French power in India, long supported by the courage or ability of a few men, was foundering, never to rise again. Quote, Nobody can have a higher opinion than I of M. de Lally, wrote Colonel Coote. He struggled against obstacles that I considered insurmountable, and triumphed over them. There is not in India another man who could have so long kept an army standing without pay and without resources in any direction. Quote, a convincing proof of his merits, said another English officer, is his long and vigorous resistance in a place in which he was universally detested. Hatred bears bitterer fruits than is imagined even by those who provoke it. The animosity which M. de Lally had excited in India was everywhere an obstacle to the defence, and it was destined to cost him his life and imperil his honour. Scarcely had he arrived in England, ill, exhausted by sufferings and fatigue, followed even in his captivity by the reproaches and anger of his comrades in misfortune, when he heard of the outbreak of public opinion against him in France. He was accused of treason, and he obtained from the English cabinet permission to repair to Paris. Quote, I bring hither my head and my innocence, he wrote, on disembarking to the minister of war, and he went voluntarily to imprisonment in the Bastille. There he remained nineteen months without being examined. When the trial commenced in December 1764, the heads of accusation amounted to one hundred and sixty, the number of witnesses to nearly two hundred. The matter lasted a year and a half, conducted with violence on the part of M. de Lally's numerous enemies, with inveteracy on the part of the Parliament, still at strife with the government, with courage and firmness on the part of the accused. He claimed the jurisdiction of a court-martial, but his demand was rejected. When he saw himself confronted with the dock, 
the general suddenly uncovered his whitened head and his breast covered with scars exclaiming quote, so this is the reward for fifty years service on the sixth of may seventeen sixty six his sentence was at last pronounced lally was acquitted on the charges of high treason and malversation he was found quote, guilty of violence abuse of authority vexations and exactions as well as of having betrayed the interests of the king and of the company when the sentence was being read out to the condemned quote, cut it short sir said the count to the clerk come to the conclusions at the words quote, betrayed the interests of the king lally drew himself up to his full height exclaiming quote, never never he was expending his wrath in insults heaped upon his enemies when suddenly drawing from his pocket a pair of mathematical compasses he struck it violently against his heart the wound did not go deep enough m de lally was destined to drink to the dregs the cup of man's injustice on the ninth of may at the close of the day the valiant general whose heroic resistance had astounded all india mounted the scaffold on the place de greve nor was permission granted to the few friends who remained faithful to him to accompany him to the place of execution there was only the parish priest of st louis en lille at his side as apprehensions were felt of violence and insult on the part of the condemned he was gagged like the lowest criminal when he resolutely mounted the fatal ladder he knelt without assistance and calmly awaited his death-blow everybody observed d'alembert expressing by that cruel saying the violence of public feeling against the condemned quote, everybody except the hangman has a right to kill lally voltaire's judgment after the subsidence of passion and after the light thrown by subsequent events upon the state of french affairs in india before lally's campaigns is more just quote, it was a murder committed with the sword of justice king louis the fifteenth and his government had lost india the rage and shame blindly excited amongst the nation by this disaster had been visited upon the head of the unhappy general who had been last vanquished in defending the remnants of french power the english were masters forever of india when the son of m de lally tollandal at last obtained in seventeen eighty the rehabilitation of his father's memory public opinion had not waited till then to decide the case between the condemned and his accusers whilst the french power in india after having for an instant had the dominion over nearly the whole peninsula was dying out beneath the incapacity and feebleness of its government at the moment when the heroic efforts of la bourdonnais dupleix and lally were passing into the dominion of history a people decimated by war and famine exhausted by a twenty years unequal struggle was slowly expiring preserving to the very last its hopes and its patriotic devotion in the west indies the whole canadian people were still maintaining for the honour of france that flag which had just been allowed to slip from the desperate hands of lally in the east in this case there were no enchanting prospects of power and riches easily acquired of dominion over opulent princes and submissive slaves nothing but a constant struggle against nature still mistress of the vast solitudes against vigilant rivals and a courageous and cruel race of natives the history of the french colonists in canada showed traits and presented characteristics rare in french annals the ardour of the french nature and the suavity of french manners seemed to be combined with the stronger virtues of the people of the north 
everywhere amongst the bold pioneers of civilization in the new world the french marched in the first rank without ever permitting themselves to be surpassed by the intrepidity or perseverance of the anglo-saxons down to the day when cooped up within the first confines of their conquests fighting for life and liberty the canadians defended foot to foot the honour of their mother country which had for a long while neglected them and at last abandoned them under the pressure of a disastrous war conducted by a government as incapable as it was corrupt for a long time past the french had directed towards america their ardent spirit of enterprise in the fifteenth century on the morrow of the discovery of the new world when the indomitable genius and religious faith of christopher columbus had just opened a new path to inquiring minds and daring spirits the basques the bretons and the normans were amongst the first to follow the road he had marked out their light barks and their intrepid navigators were soon known among the fisheries of newfoundland and the canadian coast as early as fifteen o six a chart of the st lawrence was drawn by john denis who came from honfleur in normandie before long the fishers began to approach the coasts attracted by the fur trade they entered into relations with the native tribes buying very often for a mere song the produce of their hunting and introducing to them together with the first fruits of civilization its corruptions and its dangers before long the savages of america became acquainted with the firewater policy was not slow to second the bold enterprises of the navigators france was at that time agitated by various earnest and mighty passions for a moment the reformation personified by the austere virtues and grand spirit of coligny had seemed to dispute the empire of the catholic church the forecasts of the admiral became more and more sombre every day he weighed the power and hatred of the guises as well as of their partisans in his anxiety for his countrymen and his religion he determined to secure for the persecuted protestants a refuge perhaps a home in the new world after that defeat of which he already saw a glimmer a first expedition had failed after an attempt on the coasts of brazil in fifteen sixty two a new flotilla set out from havre commanded by john ribaud of dieppe a landing was effected in a beautiful country sparkling with flowers and verdure the century-old trees the vast forests the unknown birds the game which appeared at the entrance of the glades and stood still fearlessly at the unwanted apparition of man this spectacle familiar and at the same time new presented by nature at the commencement of may caused great joy and profound gratitude amongst the french who had come so far through so many perils to the borders of florida they knelt down piously to thank god the savages flocking together upon the shore regarded them with astonishment mingled with respect ribaud and his companions took possession of the country in the name of france and immediately began to construct a fort which they called fort charles in honour of the young king charles the ninth detachments scoured the country and carried to a distance the name of france during three years through a course of continual suffering and intestine strife more dangerous than the hardships of nature and the ambushes of savages the french maintained themselves in their new settlement enlarged from time to time by new emigrants unhappily they had frequently been recruited from amongst men of no character importing the contagion of their vices into the little colony which coligny had intended to found the reformed church in the new world in fifteen sixty five a spanish expedition landed in florida 
Pedro Menéndez de Aviles, who commanded it, had received from King Philip II the title of Adelantado, or Governor of Florida. He had pledged himself in return to conquer for Spain this territory impudently filched from the jurisdiction which his Catholic Majesty claimed over the whole of America. The struggle lasted but a few days. In spite of the despair and courage of the French colonists, a great number were massacred, others crowded on to the little vessels still at their disposal, and carried to France the news of the disaster. Menendez took possession of the ruined forts, of the scarcely cleared fields strewn with the corpses of the unhappy colonists. Quote, Are you Catholics or Lutherans? he demanded of his prisoners, bound two and two before him. Quote, we all belong to the Reformed faith, replied John Ribot, and he intoned in a loud voice a psalm, quote, Dust we are, and to dust we shall return. Twenty years more or less upon this earth are of small account. End quote. And turning towards the Adelantado, quote, Do thy will, he said. All were put to death, quote, as I judged expedient for the service of God and of your Majesty. End quote, wrote the Spanish commander to Philip II, quote, and I consider it a great piece of luck that this John Ribot hath died in this place, for the King of France might have done more with him and five hundred ducats than with another man and five thousand, he having been the most able and experienced mariner of the day, for knowing the navigation of the coasts of India and Florida. End quote. Above the heap of corpses, before committing them to the flames, Menendez placed this inscription, quote, not as Frenchmen, but as heretics. End, quote. End of chapter 53, part 2